Oh my goodness! Just, oh, this California. You're all, you're all, you're going crazy. You're all shook up. It's a scary place, California. God. Yeah. Oh, don't know what's going on. It must have been really scary to watch this movie in California. I can't imagine. It was terrifying. Well, the first time I saw it, I was in New York, and I didn't care. What did I care? It's a different experience entirely. Yeah, I go to bed every night now, holding on to the edge of the bed, terrified that I'll just be thrown across the room. So how are you? How are things? Uh, you said you were a little frazzled right before the show. You said you were a little stressed. So, so unbelievably sure. stressed and frazzled. Um, but uh, but I'm here with you now, which always calms me down. You're a calming influence. These are good things. These are good frazzled things, though. This is just like you're just busy. I'm just Not, busy. I'm okay. I'm busy, and uh, and uh, I uh, just want to get to the end of the day where I can have a beer and watch an episode of Vera. Yes, I'm still watching Vera with Brenda Blethenham. <laughs> I'm still watching it. You just you're a guy alone in a in a black room who I'm watches a guy alone the, in a black a lady, room. A lady detective show. Watching a lady detective show. That's me. But uh, I did have a very exciting week, though. Because Tell me. Uh, my buddy Bruce brought uh, a whole bunch of the homemade pastrami uh, that he makes every year around the holidays. And he brought me a whole bunch of it. And I made my favorite sandwich. He and I have different sandwiches. Uh, he calls his the... Uh, um, Oh, God. what does he call it? He calls his the Maury Amsterdam, and I call mine the Shecky Green. <laughs> the Shecky Green is, uh, it's it's like the number 19 at Langard. It's pastrami. It's a nice corn rye, lightly toasted pastrami, thinly sliced Swiss cheese, coleslaw, and Russian dressing. And it can't be beat. That's that's the. Uh, I'm surprised they even let you have that in California. Yeah, the Mori. Then there's the Mori. His is the Mori Amsterdam, which is just with mustard. And then we have, you know, when you make pastrami, the big brisket, it has what they call the fat cap, the side of the brisket that has all the fat on it that you put on top when you're roasting it, so that the fat sort of continually drips down and baste baste it. We have a sandwich that we invented where you just cut the fat off and you put it between two slices of rye bread and we call it the Shelly Winters. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, it's a tough, tough room. It's a really, <laughs> it's a really it's tough, tough room. room. Um, but, uh, the pastrami was... Sounds was amazing. Got me through the week. It sounds like a, like, a, you know, like a pork belly bun or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Sounds the good. pastrami is great. That sandwich is great. And then I had I had pastrami and eggs with Swiss cheese, the omelet that I made the other day. It's just all been about pastrami. Uh, I wish I was helping you fix that problem. I do, too. I do, too. I didn't have uh, pastrami this week. I didn't have any exciting uh, food adventures, really. It's been I'm too busy. Nobody brought any pastrami over. I don't have nope. a friend who brought any pastrami. No culinary adventures. No. Well, it's a good thing we don't show we don't call this show the Arkin Brothers talk about food and movies anymore. Well, I would I would talk about food. I would have culinary adventures if if that was still something we talked about. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> clean my glasses. <laughs> Polish up those glasses. <laughs> um any anything exciting in the non-food part of your your life this just week? Bu just been busy uh rather rather uh rather busy with finishing this this uh, editing job and um you know the various things that you got to do to uh to get through the day to earn do a, stuff. Theor a theoretical living to earn those bitcoins i yeah. gotta do stuff yeah um so it's been busy um and uh uh just not a lot of ton to not a lot of report not a ton to say except you know this was a highlight uh, of the week this show was no. the highlight of the week no the the movie oh the movie yeah oh. the <laughs> show is the show no 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 we don't know this show might be the nadir of the week you know we might not it do a good be. job tonight um 
I feel we will. I feel we will have an excellent show. Uh, I don't want to let down uh, uh, anybody who's out there listening with okay. a lackluster performance on our part. So I'm going <laughs> to raise the energy up. Let's do this. Let's have a, All right, let's let's have a show. It. Let's jump right into Radio it. Radio personalities come to life. What movie are we talking about this week? Tonight, this week, we are, we are talking about 1974's Earthquake. What is it about? Earthquake is about uh, a group of of uh, interwoven stories of people living in Los Angeles. Earthquake is a Robert Altman movie <laughs> with a bigger earthquake in it than than the other Robert Altman movie. Okay, <laughs> okay. there you go. Um, it, it's a disaster movie. It, it's a classic. It is a, it is a disaster movie. It, it is a classic of. Uh, of the genre, a classic Hollywood style disaster movie from the seventies, which is the time of the classic disaster movies. It's up there with Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno, and Airport. Yeah, or or down there, depending on how depending. you look at it. Um, and uh, it was directed by um a guy named Mark Robson, who was a very seasoned director, been around forever. He directed Val Luton horror movies, some of my favorite old black and white horror movies, something called The Seventh Victim, which is a great movie to check out if you haven't seen it. Um and and uh, you know the craftspeople on this are the Hollywood Hollywood legends. It's a huge, huge studio production. So they just had all the money and all the people and talent. When you say the crafts people, you're talking about the craft service table or I hear it was excellent. I hear it was just better than the normal. Yeah. It wasn't just M&Ms and Nutella. No, they had a whole cold cut spread there. You could make sandwiches. Yeah. And matches herring, anything you want. <laughs> uh well, let's just say there's an interesting like interesting pedigree for this film. The editor, uh Dorothy Spencer have been around a while. This movie was made in 1974. She edited John Ford's Stagecoach and the original To Be or Not To Be, among other classic, classic movies. Interesting. It, that's me. very interesting. And then she and then she edited um, Earthquake. And she edited Earthquake. Um, it stars Charlton Heston, Ava Gardner, George Kennedy, Lauren Green, Genevieve Bougeau, Richard Roundtree, Marjo Gortner, and who we have to talk about a little bit. Victoria Principal and Walter Matthau makes it an extraordinary appearance. Walter um, Matthau is um is is not in this movie. Uh sure. Walter Manchinsky's Walter Mastuchanskyaski. Mantuschinskyaski is in this movie. Right. It isn't Walter Matthau. That's right. <laughs> John Randolph. Lots of amazing people. So, uh, and it's it's just a giant, big, honking, melodramatic earthquake hits Hollywood movie. You know? The kind we still make, but it, this is like the, f this is it. This is where it really kind of all, all started. I don't know which of them came first. I guess... You know, maybe airport was I think the first airport one. Was the first biggie, I think. Yeah, I think airport, and but this beat Towering Inferno to the theaters by a couple months. I know that. Yes, and then Towering Inferno beat the crap out of this movie at the box office. I think. Um, I guess so. I I I, I think so, but this didn't this this didn't do badly. No. So there we go. Uh, you said you saw this movie in New York. What does that mean? Did you well, see it? I saw it when it came out. Oh, my goodness. And I remember okay. seeing it when it came out because it was the first movie in Sense Around, I believe. It definitely was in Sense Around. It, maybe it was the yeah. first one. Yeah. And, and it was, a. I think it, that was developed for this movie and it was a big, big deal. You know, see it in Sense Around. Um, and, um, they uh they did have some some interesting um you know at one theater they uh out here in hollywood i think at man's chinese they put netting up over the audience because out of fears that the sense around would cause 
part of the you know the cornices and the the plaster yeah. work in the scene. Now whether that's true or it was a publicity, I'm sure, that was stuff, a gimmick. Yeah, but that did happen at some theaters. That plaster fell from the ceilings, and um, uh, oh, and sometimes some audience members got nosebleeds from the sense around. Caused some nosebleeds, apparently. It shakes you around, I guess. It shakes, little, yeah, but, yeah, but not really. It's just it's like, a gentle, gentle, it's more uh, like, like a, a massage night, chair. Yeah, it's more like a night at Studio 54 with the bass turned up <laughs> way too bit, high. Just a little bit of jostling. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not like the place was actually uh, so shaking. You saw um, a movie in Sense Around is what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, Do you remember our, that experience? I think there were only three or four movies that were released in Sense Around before they realized this is crap and we're not going to do this anymore. Um, but so I did have a relationship to the movie when it came out. You know, I was um, uh, I I wanted to see this movie. I was excited about this movie. Uh, I don't remember what my response to it was when I saw it, however. I just remember the the hype and the ramp up to it. There was a lot of hype, I bet. Yeah. I think it was a little I think I was a little disappointed. Um but some, there's something interesting though about this movie when I was watching it that I felt like you know 1974 we'd already had movies like Well, let's throw Catch 22 in there, right? Which was I think came out in 70 right huge cast huge movie right mm -hmm. and 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 this that period of time seems like there were movies where the studios were still trying to hold on to some old stuff like these are sort of stars of an earlier time in this movie like if you look at this movie and you look at a movie like like Bonnie and Clyde, which was made well before this movie, right? Yeah, like six years before. Yeah. So if you watch Bonnie and Clyde in this movie, you would think Bonnie and Clyde was made ten years after this movie, right? It's it's it, there was this sort of split in Hollywood of people who were, I mean, all the stars in this movie, the big stars, Charlton Heston, Ava Gardner. They they belong to George Kennedy. They belong to a different time. And then you look at a movie even like um, uh, Towering Inferno, which competed with this, and you had Paul Newman and Steve McQueen, who who were forward looking. Yeah, were certainly more forward looking than this movie. Well, they had already done a lot of their big movies by seventy four yeah. or whatever, but um, but they had life ahead. Yeah. They had a lot more life ahead of them. And you could yeah. tell even looking at them, they had more career ahead of them. You could see an equivalent like, you know, uh, now, you know, Bruce Willis is still making movies. So yes. it's like it would be like casting Bruce Willis in right. something now in a big action movie. So. Right. But he's not Ryan Gosling, who we expect to no. be seeing for a no. long but time. But there's a market for it. I mean, there really yeah. is. And I think, the old, you know, the since it's such a big studio movie, you really have that sense of it like the producers being the big powder familias and that they looked after their old friends who were all at, you know, all at Barney's beanery drinking. It <laughs> seems like it's a good old boys movie in that way. Like, you know, we'll get Chuck Heston in here. I play golf with Chuck every day. He's looking for a movie. Right. He's looking for, you one. know, yeah, it feels like that. Um, do we need to talk more about the plot or should we just get right into ripping this thing to shreds or talking about what's wonderful about it? Um, I think that there's not much to say. I mean, there, there's the, the plot, it's you, you, there, the plot is, uh, we could, we can encapsulate it. We can encapsulate it really quickly. Okay. Charlton Heston is, uh, uh, an architect slash engineer guy involved in building buildings. He's got a troubled relationship with his wife, Ava Gardner, He's having an affair, perhaps, maybe, yeah, with this maybe young woman. with a young woman whose husband died in some accident. We, it's Partner of his. That, yeah, yeah, who died, and he's just, look, I'm just looking after her. I'm just looking after her because her husband died. And, um, 
And then there's George Kennedy, who's a disgruntled uh, police officer who's going to... An idealistic but disgruntled. Idealistic but disgruntled police officer who's been relieved of his duties for for having tried too hard and chased somebody out of the jurisdiction and caused some property and damage. punching a cop. Punching a cop, yeah. yeah another district cop he punched in the a, face. A sheriff. He goes to punch somebody from the sheriff's office uh, out of jurisdiction. So out of, that's called an out of jurisdiction punching. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's drinking in a bar, and then there's Richard Roundtree, who's a, a an evil Knievel wannabe who's got his big stunt planned for the day, and um, and there's then an earthquake comes and ruins everybody's plans, and it provide it ruins some plans, and for other people it provides opportunities for heroism. And of course, there's going to be the question of which way is Chuck Heston going to go? Is he going to, is he going to be with his wife, or is he going to try and save the, yeah, the young, uh, the young lady who he's become enamored with, um, Jean-Pierre Bougeot. There's um, a, there's this, of course, side stories of the scientists at the Seismographic Institute in the Hollywood Hills that are trying to research earthquakes, and there's the young guy who says you know there i think these these numbers indicate there's going to be the big one and his the big older, one's coming the older, big one's coming older supervisors say it's like you know you don't be don't be rash we'll get in a lot of trouble if we're wrong and we gotta you know right. do this carefully well he was right and it was the big one yeah there's a couple of other little side stories which we'll get into victoria victoria prince principles in it yeah uh, there's a whole thing about the dam about a dam yeah. that is maybe going to burst. Um, is that the Hollywood Dam or uh, the, what is uh, the Mulholland Dam? I Mulholland think Dam. Um, and then you get the idea. Honestly, then there's Marjo Gortner, who yeah. is a, a, a nut job, uh, who's part of the uh, National Guard that gets called up, and he's really excited because now he might actually have a reason to shoot somebody. There you go. That's the it's an interwoven thing. If yeah. you've seen shortcuts, Robert Altman's shortcuts, I think you see where half of the genesis of that movie came right. from. Or it's actually it's like love actually with an earthquake. I think <laughs> no, short I think shortcuts can be from before love actually. <laughs> yeah, I think shortcuts I think, is a better yeah. a better comparison. So um all right. Uh, let's go to acting. Should we talk about acting in this movie? Well, you, you're. I feel like you're assuming how I feel about it. Uh, you, you. I mean, I don't, how do you feel about it? You seem to be like, uh, you know, uh, you know. We'll just talk about the good and the bad and get on with it. I, you obviously felt that it was. Uh, you want not... me to come down on one side or another of this movie? Of the San Andreas fault. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm just curious how it struck you. It struck you just as a mixed bag of funny, crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed watching it because it's it's I thought truly horrible, but in in a in in a way that was amusing to me. Okay, it was. It was I mean, and I I mean I can Charlton Heston, for instance. Um, let's take, let's take Charlton Heston. Um, first of all, I would say that he comes from the, I'm suffering from constipation school of acting. Every, every, every emotional choice that he makes looks like, oh, I'm really uncomfortable. Oh, ah, he's oh. a handsome man though. He's handsome. Even when he looks like that. Oh, God. very rugged. Yeah. Um, and he poses a lot. He does. Well, he didn't does. you see Planet of the Apes? I mean, he's he does that in all of his movies. The, the posing is insane. And then the other thing is, and this isn't his fault, but I don't know if you noticed that, but in the love scenes, his head is actually five times bigger yeah. than Jean-Vierre Bougeot's head. Yeah, literally. They look like a different species. <laughs> it's like Avatar. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a scene from Jim Cameron's Avatar. Ooh, and then yeah. there's an, which brings us to a different strange thing. 
because uh, you think he's a handsome guy. I don't think he's a handsome guy. I, I was think ki- he- I'm kidding. Look, you, oh, okay. uh, you, I, I'm <laughs> being semi-serious with you. All right. I have to be um, semi-serious with you because my feelings about this movie uh, are a little bit different than yours. And I think what you're feeling is that I am not agreeing with you about the central premise because I had a very different experience of this movie. And I don't think we're going to agree on why these things work or don't work. Okay. Because I I think this is the best film we've seen since we've started this whole series. Since we started the... This is my favorite. Of of the... Okay, but your favorite because it's the most fun... No, I think what? it's I th- I honestly think this movie is a stone cold masterpiece. Oh my god. I think it's an absolutely completely misunderstood brilliant uh postmodern expressionist masterpiece of surrealism. Oh, okay. Yeah. I really do. Um and I think it knows that's what it is. I don't think it's accidental. I think the movie is crazy and it is got oh, like I some of the weirdest you, stuff, but see, this is what I love yeah. about you. You, you have, I think one of them, you have the most generous heart of anybody I know. And you are not patronizing in the least. <laughs> that's what I love about you. <laughs> because I don't think these people had a, a clue what they were doing in terms of the story. I I don't think they were conscious. I mean, I don't even have the time to tell me to tell you to like week this, the, the level of obsession that I have about this movie is, is a little problematic. Like I I actually have a bit of a problem right now. Oh, can we get you help then? I don't know. Try. Obsessed. Get me help. That's your job. Don't ask the sick person to, to what what are you doing? Obviously, I have a problem. But this was um without I'm not being facetious. I I responded so strongly to this movie. I had I had such a complete experience with it that I I I'm I'm it's I'm going to be studying this movie. I'm I'm obsessed. I'm completely obsessed with it. And I think that um it sounds like it really shook you up. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should be sorry. This is a this is a show for for middle aged people. <laughs> um. No, I I you know I don't know what to say. I, I think um, we'll probably not see eye to eye on it, but um, but I, I honestly could talk about. The layers. I, I, of... I think it's safe to say we all. Not that we will. I think it's safe right. to say we already don't. Okay. Okay. Well, this is that's the way. That's the way crumbles. You know, you can't agree on oh crumbles stuff all the time. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of crumbling. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't. You know, where do you begin? It's it's a cavalcade of insanity. It's a crazy, crazy experience. Um. It it. <laughs> It, you know, it starts early when when you see Earthquake co-written by Mario Puzo and you're yeah. like, what? Wait a minute. What <laughs> what universe are we entering here? What is this? Right. Well, um, one of the reasons he was brought in, I, uh, from what I understand, is because um, his his facility with with uh, plots that had many threads. Um. And then he had to leave working on this movie to start working on Godfather because it was greenlit, mm-hmm. which I think then shows how they had somebody who knew how to work on plots of many threads who then had to leave to go work on a masterpiece. And somebody got those threads all tangled up in a, in a skein of confusion. Okay. Uh, love to have a show with you about postmodern art one time and, and see where you fall on it. I like, don't know anything about postmodern art, but I... So, I, so what, what? okay, yeah. If I was to tell you that, like, I've, if someone said this was like a cross-pollination of, you know, the best of big 70s Hollywood with, with like, Zabriskie Point... I, I would say literally that Antonioni could have directed this movie. 
I think I think it it's visually it's story visual storytelling of an absurd surreal uh, category school that um, is became almost like a completely sublime experience for me. I just thought it was in new like. I feel like it's not a popular kind of thing to do, but what they did was so daring and crazy uh, and melodramatic and, um, and, and, and insane, but I think it works. I disagree that it doesn't hold together. I think that there's, there is incredible complexity to the, the characters and to uh, how this thing plays out. I believe deeply in my heart that all of that stuff is absolutely true in your visual experience of it and that it was completely accidental and unintentional on the part of the filmmakers. Okay. Well, we, we, we disagree. I, that, you know, that is again, thank you for being a little bit patronizing and I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, you know, for, for implying that my, my, my opinions about it are just completely colored by the fact that I enjoyed myself. I spent some time really thinking about this today and I could give you a lot of examples of why I think it's true. And the fact that you wrote the movie you just wrote last year and don't see a similar level of sophistication in what they're doing and try and also being comedic. I think you're missing this film. I think you're, absolutely not seeing it for what it is okay um the fact that except, he, except, we meet, except my, the movie i wrote is supposed to be funny so is this i believe see, seriously that so is this in in parts ah see i don't i don't get that at all oh i do I do. I think all the bar scenes are supposed to be funny. I think Matthew oh, yeah. is okay. supposed the to be bar, funny. Yes, the bar scene I think was I think to. there are supposed to be surprising and shocking juxtapositions of visual imagery that in a surreal sense are funny in a surreal way. The way that, you know, surreal stuff is funny. I well, think that's, that you, you pulled out the scene with my favorite actor in the movie. H.B. Haggerty. Yeah, he's great. Who's spectacular great. in it? Yeah. Um, okay. So let's. You know, I, I'd like to come. Maybe come back to it once we've had another conversation. Because you're just gonna make faces at me. That's all you're gonna do. <laughs> no, I'm not just gonna make faces at you, because people won't be able to see them on the podcast. Right. I'm also right. gonna. I'm also gonna make sounds and verbalize. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm not going to get upset this time because this is a new experience for me. Like, I don't, I don't want to be skin in this because I don't love this movie for 20 years the way I did with black Christmas, but I do love this movie now and I will continue to watch it and study it and recommend it to people and honestly tell them that it is a work of, of exceptional and, and, and uh, completely unique genius. Okay. Well, I, let me, I, let me say something that's believer. not patronizing. Let me say something that's not patronizing. You know, and I'll, I'll announce this to the world for all our listeners. Uh, Anthony knows infinitely more about film than I do. Um, I respond to film on sort of an instantaneous story. I'm sitting here watching this movie, having the experience, analyzing the story, looking at the acting. And Tony knows movie history movie genre he knows all that you know all that stuff infinitely more than i do so when we get into a place where we completely disagree and and i think you're completely full of crap mm -hmm. um i will i will tell anybody to whom i say that i think you're f full of crap that you're probably not because you know a lot more than I do about. No, it. I'm an out. I'm an outlier. I honestly, I went online and went to see like what people were, what reviewers said about it, and what critics had said about it. And I was looking for someone that felt about it the way that I that the way that I did. Uh huh. But you're also. I mean, I literally just watched Le Clis and 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 La Ventura, two Antonioni movies. He's an Italian filmmaker from from this from the late '60s, like a really famous famous art filmmaker um making films at the same time Fellini was and Bergman and stuff um made 
uh, Blow Up, which you probably saw. You did see Blow Up? I didn't see Blow Up. Okay. See, this is what I'm talking about. You know so much more than I do. Well, stop complaining and start watching the movies. But that's your <laughs> that's that's your problem. So, so Antonioni is considered one one of the great modern filmmakers. One of the one of the first modern filmmakers. A person who like wrote the wrote the book, started writing the book on on modern film or even postmodern film. I guess film as expressionism, and his use of architecture and space and um imagery was the point of the films that was why he made the movies and that was the, that was the point of him but he was he was working in something that they called metonyms this is all this is all real film school stuff it's boring i'll get over it in a second he's working in stuff called metonyms which were instead of metaphors which are painting kind of in an impressionist way using metaphors in your in your story metonyms would be visual representations that are the literal thing that it is so if there's a story about somebody who is at sea emotionally, he puts that character in the ocean, in a in a buoy, in a life raft, uh, somewhere that literally is the thing that he's going through. Okay, so Chuck Heston's world is coming down around him. Well, so let's yes. have his world come down around him. Well, in so in that sense, his yes, the the yeah, his interior world, the, the you know, his male sexual energy is all messed up he's got real problems with that. And he's told by Genevieve Pujol, you made love to me and it was so angry. What was that about? He doesn't even know what she's talking about. The first time that there's an earthquake starts with the, forgive me folks, but with like a sexual act, it's like your, it's like your the screenplay. Earth moved. The earth moved, you're saying. They insert a phallic device into the earth and then the earthquake happens. It's, it's, it's an unrelated thing in the plot but it isn't in terms of the structure of the of the story okay it's about the dysfunction of modern society man's alienation from himself everybody in this is very messed up in the modern world in one way or another they're either a broken and divorced woman who needs to be saved by a man that's her idea genevieve Pujol. there's a man who's being drowned by his wife literally that happens there's there's a lot of really interesting things if you look at the film from the perspective of a postmodernist visual experience and how it in replace replacing naturalism it gives you this completely surreal experience of a divorce <laughs> and it's an earthquake in in the in simple terms but there's a lot of layering like that in this movie so i really really feel if you watch it with a different lens on, you'll see that it's not an accident. What's what's going on is is on purpose, and I think in control by the filmmakers. Okay, but here's my question: How could I have been so wrong and not seen all that? Well, you have you you just admitted you've never seen Antonioni, so you wouldn't necessarily have known to look for that in this movie. Yeah, but I should be smarter than that. Here's why. Here's why it makes total sense. And and I think you were talking about how we how we look at movies. And I think there's a, there's a difference. I would disagree slightly with how you said it. Your perspective is very literary. You come from a very literary perspective. Yes. On films. Yeah. Exactly. Very. I'm very story. Right. Which oriented. is which is also tied to theater and drama so the theatrical right. dramatic portion of it you get an enormous amount out of my yeah. background is in the visual is in the visual arts more than yours i studied drawing and painting and stuff in school and like you know right. got that's into why it. i i love movies like love actually that will actually make you jump off of a building well maybe or maybe not i i, I haven't i haven't seen it so we'll see what it, whether it does but my but my point being that like Oh, I can't wait. You're you you have we both maybe have assumptions about how everybody looks at movies. Right. And everybody yeah. doesn't look at them the same way. For instance, it it isn't it, 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 it isn't if I can find all this material in this movie because of visually what they're saying. It's it really just means that your approach to it was a was a literary one. You were looking yeah, for it in now the I'm, I'm like I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm going, oh wow, not only did I not see all of that, 
but I get it. And now okay. I want to watch the now I want to watch the movie again because what you've brought up I think is really cool. I just but I literally just was literally like nerding out listening to like director's commentary from these Antonioni not director's commentary like uh film scholar commentaries on these Antonioni movies they were talking about metonyms and how we was using the space this way and doing these amazing things visually that people didn't at first understand it when Antonioni was first making movies they had to kind of get there because they weren't used to seeing movies like this right um and and i think i just i just have an instinct this partly because i know this director mark robson directed some really smart interesting black and white movies back in the day he's not a hack director he's very interesting and artful and i'll 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 just i'll end with one thing the last thing i'll say is one of the things that convinced me and freaked me out when I saw it, because I looked at it again this morning, just a little bit to see what was going on. He's in a marriage. He's drowning in this marriage. Okay, spoiler alert. There's his wife and him nearly drown in the end of the movie. Won't give everything away. All right, you want to give everything away? Okay. Yeah, don't, don't listen to our show if you don't want us to talk about the whole movie. They drown. So, yeah, exactly he is in a gutter at the end of it, looking up at Genevieve Bougeau, who is up above her, looking down at him in pity, but he, she can't get to him because he's literally in the sewer of his own, what his own creation is. Yes. And the first time we see him and Ava Gardner together in the movie, what's he doing? He's doing the breaststroke. He's literally doing the breaststroke. The minute she comes into that room, he's exercising on these with these springs, oh, right. and it's the breaststroke. And I'm like, oh my god! Right. They're bookending the beginning, their moment of meeting, and they're using this weird visual language to tell this story. Right. I'm 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 gonna see it again this weekend because I have to. I have to. There's got to be more details that I missed. Okay, but now I'm so disappointed because I can't talk about all of the things that were so crappy in it but what if the filmmakers were also aware of making a crazy crazy mad 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 world movie and the great thing about this movie is that it's this weird art movie mashed in with slapstick comedy and like and i say this because there's no maudlin melancholy shit in this movie there's no kitten up a tree. There's no sad dying old couple like there is in the you mean, Poseidon you mean adventure. All the stuff that I love. No, well, okay, but it's 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 not about that. It's about how messed up society is, and how we're all getting this earthquake because we somewhere are asking for it. That's what I think. And now I think that that last line, the last two lines of the movie, which when I heard them, I thought that's the. Stupidest last line of the movie I've ever heard. I now think is brilliant because of what you've explained to me. I now think it's fantastic that that's how they end the movie with those two lines. So what are the last two lines? The last two lines are, this used to be a hell of a town. <laughs> yeah. And the next line is, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I heard that and I was like, that's the stupidest freaking ending to this movie. You could, what? Did they not think about this at all? Yeah. And now I think it's brilliant. See, I, like, because what you're saying is that what they're saying is that, yeah, things used to be good. Yeah. And they're not anymore. I think so. I mean, remember, we're, we're, we're like, we're seven years after Manson. Hollywood's changed a lot. They're, they don't know the landscape. In a way, this feels kind of like a middle finger to Hollywood by the filmmakers or some kind of like, you know, admission that they all want to see it just crumble. Okay, I have way. to throw out all my notes now because I just didn't know what I was talking about. Well, the beauty of it, though, is it is also crazy. It's crazy. What happens in this movie is insane. Yeah. Can I can can I talk about all of the things that just if you're not looking at it through that lens, <laughs> all of the story things that make no sense? Sure, because all? they're because they're shocking when they happen. They blow your mind because yeah. they they feel so nuts. Okay, so for instance, there's there's been an earthquake 
It's a disaster. All of the buildings might fall down. This where we want everybody to go for medical care and shelter is the third sub-basement mm-hmm. of the biggest building in town yeah. that's in danger of collapsing. Yeah, which sounds a lot like how they've handled COVID. Exactly. You know? <laughs> um, um, then things that didn't have to do with actually story, but just Hollywood weirdness. <laughs> Yeah, there's a little I want to talk a little bit about let's have I've got an idea. I think we should match up old, ugly men with young, beautiful women yeah, like big time. Yeah. yeah. Charles Heston with Jean Viet Bougeot. Um, the what, what what was the age difference? I took notes. I took notes. I think on it's this. like 1997 years. Yeah. 90. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's, uh, Bougeot was thirty-two and Ch- Chuck Heston was fifty-one, so that's a nineteen-year age difference. But it looks more. It really, it frankly, looks, looks like more. more than that. And George Kennedy was forty-nine and Victoria Principal was twenty-four, and that's a twenty-five-year age difference. Yeah, and 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 George Kennedy and Victoria Principal fall in love like at first sight, and he is the schlubbiest, dumpiest, ruffiest ugliest beat cop you've ever seen it's incredible and she's a 20 breathtaking and four years old and 24 years old yeah but think think about it too it's like uh, it's weird i think we assume and i agree all this was crazy it was like an episode of welcome back cotter at points and then you're like (laughs) there's chaos it's so crazy but we're I think if you realize the filmmakers understood these characters were all disenfranchised kind of people, like they were all like that group, they were all just like bar hounds. Right. You know, she's probably kind of a drunk bar girl too. Cause what does she do on the afternoon off? She says, I'm going to go see some Clint Eastwood movies and goes to see Pale Wright or High Plains Plains Drifter. Dick gum on the bottom of her seat. And what is High Plains Drifter though? What is that movie? a classic right but i mean what is it it's about essentially the devil coming back to seek retribution on a town right that's the same thing earthquake is okay oh Um, don't start oh it's so it's so good people people it's good it's good stuff okay uh questions um is it true that after an earthquake is over, you still have to walk as if the ground is shaking and and there's an earthquake because the woman who played the secretary, yeah, could not walk a straight line for a half an hour after the earthquake, or maybe yeah. she just got drunk because of the earthquake. I think you get the um, bends in an earthquake, don't you? And and I do like the continually the continuing announcement in that big building that they're all going to for shelter, you hear the repeated announcement, hot coffee is available in basement yes. shopping levels <laughs> two and three. Yeah. Hot coffee is available in base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm going to go down to basement levels two or three of the skyscraper I after the earthquake. Agree. But if it, if, if you look at it as social commentary, it starts uh, to me, I was started to be like, the way that the way that um, L.A. kind of starts getting right back into the rhythm of like, well, we'll set up a place and it'll be beautiful. So they like window dress. Everything looks like a hospital down there. And they announce that there's coffee. There's things to buy. It's it starts turning into commerce right away. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was so funny, funny um, and brilliant. Uh, Ava Gardner. Can we talk about Ava Gardner? Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything to say? I, I, I mean, melodrama perfection. Oh my god, I could not believe what I was watching. Melodrama perfection. It, it was like, uh, you know, mommy dearest has nothing mommy on dearest her. Mommy dearest and and Samantha on Bewitched, the mother of Samantha on Bewitched, mm-hmm. all rolled into one. 
Her her OD in the beginning of the movie is one of the weirder. That scene is so strange and amazing with them, where and she ODs and he calls the cops and he's so angry about it. Like it happens every Thursday. Yeah, every Thursday she ODs, and then when he finds out that she's faking it because she gets scared when the ground shakes. Um. Yeah. Wow. I'm trying. I just, I can't say any of the stuff I wanted to say. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about there. Let's talk about the fantastic fan. This I thought was fantastic. The fantastic inside joke in the movie with Marjo Gordner. Oh, about religion. Yeah. Yeah. When the when the Hare Krishnas are on the street outside and, and George Kennedy's and he's angry and wants them to move and George Kennedy says, You got something against religion? Because yeah. you know you know Marjo's whole story, right? I do. He has an amazing backstory. An amazing story. For for people who don't know, Marjo Gortner, who plays the psychotic um uh national guardsman in this movie. Well, he's a he's a grocery store clerk slash national guardsman called up to the national guard when when the disaster strikes marjo gortner was a a very big time uh uh pentecostal evangelical preacher as a kid like the youngest one who was big in those those tentpole revivals uh, and and a documentary was an, an Academy Award winning documentary was made about him. And then he left all that behind and became uh, instead of being one of the great Pentecostal preachers, decided to leave that all behind and become one of one of our worst actors, <laughs> uh, which, which I don't know if that's if that's a career like if that's moving up or moving down. Um, well, I don't know. If I, I can't say he's one of our worst actors. He he's worked more than I have, and and God knows, you know, if that's a yes, indication, he's a terrific actor. But um, you have never had a death stare like Marjo Gortner has a death wow, stare in good. this movie. It's pretty good. His transformation is remarkable. Uh, his his where he lives, his room, the people that live with him, the trio of gangsters that live with him. Yeah, are, it's a, it's a really unique situation. Oh, and we've got some political. We we can go forever with the pol- political incorrectness in this movie. From from the 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 slurs being thrown at him by those guys. Oh yeah where they use the the f word to describe him to a stunt a, a white stunt motorcycle driver for <clears throat> Richard Roundtree wearing blackface in a stunt that i read about i i was amazed i didn't pick it yeah. i didn't see it in the movie but i hear that that's true a, and that's a really white stunt incredible. driver for him who then had an actual accident yeah, that was a real that that was a, a real, real accident. accident that they used, they used in, the, in movie. the movie, which is he wasn't incredible. injured. But I'm glad to know it was a real accident because when you when I watched that, I did scream. I was it's, like, it's, "Oh my it's, god!" It's really crazy. Yeah, yeah, it really does look like a guy gets killed. Um, um, can we talk about animated blood on the <laughs> painted onto? The I'll film? talk about it all day long. I mean, what, that was one of the most amazing. I mean, he they did that before that was popular with the 300 or Quentin Tarantino movies or with any other blood splatter effects. It's the first blood splatter effect in a big disaster movie I think I've ever seen. They probably used it in Hammer movies. But the fact that this happened, like, this is how weird I am and how we're, we're, we're different. Like, yeah, I see that. And it's not just because it's there, like it's it's how it's used. It's the fact of the timing of it. It's, it's the fact that they did it and how they edited it in where I'm like, but they didn't want to do it. I know. Okay. Well, what do you mean? The studio made them do it or, or, or no, the, the effect that they wanted (laughs) to to didn't work, didn't work. Right. But my point being that they can cut the scene or reshoot it or add this thing. We don't know the nature of the change. 
they had a lot of money on that movie. They could have probably redone it or they could have done something like this and tried it out. But it adds this layer of genius to like this pop art quality to it where it's like a Batman show for a second. Yeah. With this like fake cartoon blood that hits the screen. Yeah. But th see, that's where that's where we get into this. That, that's the place where you and I sometimes diverge. It's like I, I look at that and go they couldn't do what they wanted to do and they they did this and thought they'd get away with it i guess the question for you is do you like or appreciate jackson paul jackson pollock well would but, you go and spend time in front of his paintings and go like oh my god or not yes i yes i would but i think i i don't think jackson pollock's paintings were the result of well, the thing I wanted to do didn't work, so I'll throw some paint at a painting. I think it was that he had intent around all of what he did. And this, I think, was what we're trying to do won't work, and this is the only fix we can come up with. Well, then they are heretics and should be burned at the stake. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing that that was weird was you know the you know the the how they did the the shots of the big skyscraper bending in the earthquake. I think they did some of it with a mirror. Yeah, I thought it was mirror. I thought it was diopters, but it was a mirror that they bent. Yeah, which and, I think looked really remarkably flat. good. You can't mess with the with these disaster effects. They're, they're incredible. It's a it's such a mixture of styrofoam like styrofoam things falling and then really jaw dropping effects all all mashed together. So well, and there was one there was one shot that I don't even know if it was an effect. I th was it newsreel footage the 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 um the overpass collapsing with the trucks coming off of it the cars and the trucks. Those miniatures. That was miniatures because yeah. there was one shot that I could have sworn was they they had the footage and they they shot stuff to match it and and put it in there. But I didn't see anything in the trivia research about that, and I'll bet it would have been in the trivia if it was. Was it around yeah. the time where that that cattle truck goes off the side? Yeah, yeah. The, well, they they built miniatures for all of those freeways, and I'm sure what we were seeing were. I mean, they there was some incredible miniature work in this movie. Okay, they, then yeah. that was then that was extraordinary because um, uh, that 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 convinced me. Um. Yeah, you know, and the stuff to me, the stuff that that isn't convincing, they they. It, it it kind of has this feeling of almost like an Andy Warhol thing. It's very it's very pop art. So it's like it's not doesn't always look real, but it looks it looks fascinating and 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 like a kind of an abstract version of an earthquake. Um, we do have to talk about Victoria Principal's incredibly embarrassing T-shirt scene. It's again, it's it's you can't believe it's happening. Like you're embarrassed, and then I'm, I'm, but, but then I'm like, if this is, if somebody knows what's going on, if these characters are supposed to be compromised, see, we, right. I think we have this idea. We look at these '70s movies, and we're like, we're assuming that we're supposed to like these people because that's what a lot of Hollywood movies do, or that we're supposed to think that they're that they're people we're to aspire to, <clears throat> but. I think this is actually the case of a movie where the filmmakers, the writers, maybe not the studio, but the people that made it were like, no, these are, these are messed up group of people we're making this movie about. I like, like Jean-Pierre Bougeau. I did too. I like, I like all of them. I don't think anybody's, I mean, other than Marjo Gortner, everybody's, everybody's trying. Well, to, I didn't want to spend time with, um, with, uh, with um Ava Gardner. Well, she seemed nice when her husband wasn't around. She just seemed really upset when he was there. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, you know, how would you uh how would you what would you say your favorite non-ironically your favorite scene is? Um 
Oh, that's hard to say. My favorite scene or sequence. I think my my actual favorite moment in the movie was was um was HB um HB Haggerty smiling up at the cop in the pause of beating the hell out of the pool. That's really funny. Yeah. That's that, really funny. That cracked me up. That whole fight was pretty great. The, the cops the, just not paying any attention to it at all. Not paying attention. Um, I loved that. Um, I loved Charlton Heston's line about when he's going into the sub basement and he says, I think there's some people alive in there and I'm going to get them out. I was like, that's writing. Yeah. Well, that's Mario Puzo for you. I think he was gone by then. I think he was on Godfather by then. I, I'm hoping. Right. Because that, you know, you put that up next to, I, how you doing, Carlo? The, you know. You can't I know, I know. But I, but again, I think that you're looking for, your, uh, in this movie, him having great dialogue would have been counter to the point of his character. Yes. It would have been ridiculous if he had anything intelligent to say because they were trying to portray a strangled, emotionally dead man who was a failure, who was unhappy where he was, who really was a, a, a falsity and everything that he was because like, he worked for the companies that were supposed to build those buildings that weren't supposed to come down in earthquakes. But don't you think you can you can have miserable characters at the end of their rope who have nothing to say and have them say it? I mean, death you know what? You know, here, 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 here's 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 what I'm going to say to you. Yes. And we get it all the time. And we don't know. I'm, I'm really being totally serious. We get writer driven, you know, stuff like that all the time. And we don't we don't appreciate it when somebody gives you a blunt, stupid person with not a lot to say, which is the point of film. And I don't think it's good or bad that he had that line. I think it's truthful to the character. So I think it is a good line because it's actually truthful to the man that they were going to say. If he had some kind of fancy ass eloquency about what he was going to do or how he felt, it would have been maybe good writing, but it would have tanked the movie that they had been trying to make up until this point. They're, they're, he's just a brute hero. He's got nothing else to offer except that kind of platitude. All right. You know something I do know absolutely without a shadow of a doubt, though? What's that? Mom is loving this episode. She is loving it. She loves it when we disagree. <laughs> when we yeah. disagree, when we disagree, but don't hate each other. Well, this, there's no hate. Obviously, we're, you know, this is a really interesting this is a fascinating movie that really kind of pinpoints where we just kind of have where different experiences with, with movies and, and neither is really wrong, I, I guess, uh, except if you're you and then, you know, what's going to be wrong. a great, a great double bill is watching this episode and the Notting Hill episode <laughs> back to back. What if I surprise you and love, love that movie? What if that happens? I will, I will, um, I will eat sweetbreads on camera. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I've surprised <laughs> you before. So be, be, be you ready to eat sweetbreads. You may have to eat sweetbreads. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, can we, I want to do some of our, our stuff. Me um, too. I have. All, who who all am I? Who am I? And who are you? Uh, you are, I think you are, for me, you are definitely the, the, the kid who tries to blow the whistle on the, on the earthquakes and nobody listens to him. <laughs> That's what I have down here. The guy who warns. That's what I said I was. Yeah. <laughs> we agreed. Oh we my agreed. God, that's so funny. That's awesome. Um, you want me to say who I thought you were? Yeah. You're going to kill me. I thought you'd play John Randolph. <laughs> the mayor. <laughs> the mayor who's like, ah, yeah, fucking, yeah. Did I, I play him it. or that's who I am? No, that's who you'd uh, like. That's you. That's who you'd be in the that's movie. Who'd be in the world. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I don't. I don't. I don't hate you for that. Uh, I. 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 I think that I. I had myself down as Victoria Principal. <laughs> I guess I'm just not attracted to you that way. Well, I wasn't talking in terms of that. I was talking in terms of like 
I'm Victoria Principal because I would definitely get busted for stealing a freaking donut during the that's, apocalypse. That's true. You and would. I'd also go to the Clint Eastwood movies during the apocalypse. Yes, you would. And <laughs> Mom look, says you're Mom so says, right. You are so right. <laughs> She's enjoying I knew, it. I knew yeah. she'd be having a good time. No, I would be Victoria Principal for sure. Okay, the double yeah. feature. What's the double feature with this movie? I think the double feature. It's a trip. It's a triple. It's a triple feature with okay. with shortcuts and and Magnolia. Oh, okay. Or, or actually, you know what? Shortcuts. I'm gonna say, wow. It's so much like shortcuts. So you got to You got to do this in shortcuts. Maybe throw in some Antonioni in the afternoon, like watch La Ventura, and then watch the uh, like watch some Terry Gilliam. Watch the the Crimson uh, the the Crimson Insurance uh, movie. Okay. All right. What would you do? I'm not gonna say now because I'm I just seem like a a, a dilettante and I don't know what, anything. What about were you movies. gonna say? Kentucky Fried movie? No, Tremors. Tremors is good. Oh, okay. You know that's good. I'm all right. You're not you, ashamed you're, of me. No, I'm not ashamed of you. <laughs> I feel actually I'm happy because it just makes me feel more. I have more work. I have a lot of work ahead to get people to see this. The genius here. And it's good. I mean, I didn't I didn't expect that you would um, actually hear my point of view and take it at all seriously, because it's I will always take your point of view seriously. I don't mean like that. I mean, because this is a, this is a hard hill to die on. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. die. I don't want to die alone on Earthquake Hill, man. I really don't. But I really, really believe in it. So uh, thank you for you know hearing me out. How would you recast it today? Oh, today, um, I think I would uh, Ryan Gosling as Charlton Heston. Okay. Um, a little young, no? Yeah. So we got to go a little older than that. Well, I don't, I'm just asking. I'm I'm in the studio. You're the creative. I'm just listening. But yeah. Okay. So. Um, you didn't think this through. You didn't I actually didn't, have a I, cast. I didn't. I I was too busy today to give. Ah, big, right. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm trying to do it on the fly. Well, let me give you my recast then, because I okay. worked it out. I have it on paper. Uh, okay. I seriously believe this would be a fantastic film to reunite Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Tom Cruise as Heston, Nicole Kidman as Ava Gardner. We got Matthew McConaughey as the Mar in the Marjo Gortner role, which he, <laughs> let's face it, was born he's to play Marjo Gortner in the Marjo Gortner story. Born. He's a little too old, though. Now. I don't, I would, could care less at this point. It's too perfect. Think of him in the hair. The wig alone would be worth it. <laughs> I'd put Michael Sarah in the Michael, in the Marjo Gortner role. All right, role. all right. <laughs> and then we got um, Dave Bautista as George Kennedy. Okay. And we've got, um, I'm going to make a, a hard play to change up and modernize the story and give, uh, give Timothy Chalamet the Geneva Joe part. The Jean Vigeau The Jean Vigeau is, is Timothy, is Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. Okay. And uh, Bill Murray's Walter Matthau. <laughs> All right. Okay. I worked hard on that. I, that was like 15 minutes of work. <laughs> I think you did. Did really well. Oh my god. Um favorite shot. Uh I don't have a favorite shot. My favorite shot is tracking is is booming down with the woman who's falling to her death. There's a shot where we're tracking down very quickly with her and following her down. Thought that was great. I um I liked in in, in the disaster. Um, the, the, the collapsing overpass and the boiling water on the chef in the bar made incredible. That made me scream. That's great. There are all um, these little, little moments of extreme violence thrown in there. Yeah. Um, very much a fan of the, uh, of that first, the first, uh, the first thing that happens in Hollywood. It's the stilt house coming down, Le Genevieve Bougeau walking like oh, yeah. on that hill. 
and all the dogs start barking because the earthquake is coming. Yeah. And that stilt house just tilts and all of the guy's furnishings hit first. Yeah. So she's like, again, here's this minute. And it's like an Antonioni movie. She's like grabbing onto this tree as couches and refrigerators and all this, all these purchased items are falling and trying to kill her. Mm. What would the sequel of this movie be called? What would the sequel be called? I know um, what the sequel would be called. Uh, what would it be called? This is a trick question because you had the answer all along. All along. Yeah. Well, I have an ulterior birthquake would be the sequel. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, find the love because I think there's room for birthquake to have this level of, of uh, you know, head scratching and what the hell is this movie? <laughs> oh my God. It's such a what the hell movie. I mean... The the Walter Matthau is in is in a giant wig and a pimp hat for no I reason at all. Out what is happening? There's I no reason. What is happening? It's, and he's just toasting stars. He's yeah, like making stars. famous people and toasting them. Yeah. And then has my favorite line in the movie, which is which is what. What do you have to do to get a drink around? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like George Kennedy's first line. He'll get along just fine with nine toes. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Please check this movie out, people. Give it a shot. Um, think and think about it. Let's give it a shot and then like give it another shot. Because okay. you'll 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 see things again, see things with a new eye. I think this is one for the the Museum of Modern Art. This is a Guggenheim choice. All right, there you go. The other thing that you should definitely do is like us on YouTube, on that Facebook, be... everywhere that we can be liked. Yes. Because we just want to be liked, really. You should tell your friends about this podcast and uh, and subscribe to the podcast. Those are all fine things to do. If If, you know, if you want no pressure... No, no pressure. pressure. I don't mind pressuring people. No? And you okay. should come back next week when we talk about the core. The core. Yeah. Who's in the core? Hillary Swank. Is Hillary in the core. Swank is in the core. There you go. And other people. It's not just. It's not a one. Uh, not a one woman show. Richard Soto. Oh, that's nice. My friend Richard Soto just piped in to say, "I like you. Thank you for that's watching." That's nice, Richard. Richard. I don't is like that, you, Richard. I love you. I'm wondering if there's a few different is these texts are hard because you don't know it could be said of one of two ways. He could be saying, I like you, or he could be saying, I like you. No, Richard is saying, I like you. Richard's right. a good guy. Richard's cool. one of my good buds. Oh, I'm sure he's good no matter what he thinks. I just hope that he was, you know, yeah. Not in the fact, only you're one. gonna meet Richard the next time you come out here. I can't wait. Yeah. So uh tune in next week for the core and uh we will uh we will agree or disagree some more who knows what we'll do we don't know we don't know we have no idea what we'll we don't do. even really know now because we may be now we may agree i don't yeah. know sometimes when the when the show is <laughs> over and we really talk to each other we completely <laughs> see eye to eye and it was all it was all like i just said all that stuff for the show yeah just i really hated it, earthquake we just wanted to make it interesting yeah. for you folks i made it all up yeah. All right. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to ArkinBros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.